You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens, and my guest today is Shelby Timmins, the director and the passion behind Divorce Done Differently. I met Shelby a few years ago through Clarissa Raywood's Happy Lawyer, Happy Life Club, and she has the most calming and caring nature. And being around her really makes you feel at ease. So it's no surprise that she's having such a positive impact on the divorce space. I can really, really see how she helps bring a sense of that calm to divorce and help her clients see through the fog. Shelby is a qualified lawyer, but she makes it very clear that she no longer does law. At least she doesn't practice as a lawyer. Shelby stepped away from her lawyer role to develop a dispute resolution practice because that's where she sees herself adding more value to separating families. Clearly, Shelby and I have something in common in terms of focusing on how we can work differently. I mean, our names say it all, right? For Shelby, that means diving deep into the human element of divorce because, after all, divorce is something that affects people and the legal aspect Shelby sees as something that comes after that. We also talk about Shelby's new book that's about divorce for kids and she shares some great advice for people who want to do law differently. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on the podcast. It really helps other people to find out about the show and if you enjoy the episode, how about sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Now, here is the interview. Enjoy. Shelby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lucy. I'm really excited to be talking to you and clearly we have a common thread with our names because this is the Doing Law Differently (laughs) podcast and your divorce done differently. So obviously there are some things we should talk about. (laughs) Yeah, I love your name. I love your name too, absolutely. So let's start with an intro. Tell me about divorce done differently. What do you do? Give me kind of the overview. Sure. So it is a family law dispute resolution practice. It is not a legal practice. And I specialise in mediation, collaborative divorce or collaborative practice, parenting coordination, conflict coaching and divorce coaching. So I guess all of the out-of-court options to help families resolve matters as amicably um, as they can. Yeah. So you're still dealing with legal issues, but you're obviously taking a completely different approach. Absolutely. And I deal quite often with lawyers. So lawyers form part of the team. Um, My ethos is really to pull together a team of professionals to help a family with whatever issues they've got. And quite often that includes lawyers. It might include financial neutrals. It might include a child expert. um, Might include valuers. I'm just trying to think any of the issues that might come up in your typical family law matter, if we can't resolve it and we need some expert advice or input, that's where we pull it together. Mm -hmm. And so is your job to bring together all those different experts? Yeah, so my role, I guess, is if I focused on mediation and collaborative practice, I guess I'm the facilitator of the process. So Mm -hmm. I act as the mediator, which is a neutral facilitator in any matter, but my business is only family law related. In terms of the collaborative coaching that I do, again, the coach is sort of seen as the central communicator, keeper of the process. So we bring together the team, we deal with the conflict that might arise, we 
don't give legal advice at all. So that is left to the lawyers, but um, I absolutely see the value of having lawyers within the process. So your role is independent of either party? Yeah. Absolutely. So I am a neutral. Other than I will say often if a party has approached me for what I will call divorce support um, or divorce coaching, some people look at it, in that scenario, you are working with one person to assist them through the process to be able to move forward. So you don't take on a mediation or a facilitation role. You don't work with both parties. You're just working with the one. But the majority of my work is working with yeah, both. families um, that have separated that either want to use a mediation or a collaborative approach or post-separation where some orders or arrangements have been put into place but they're having difficulties implementing them along the way or new Mm. things have come up and a service that I offer is called parenting coordination which is relatively new in Australia and that's continuing to work with the families along the way with a set of orders or agreements. So sticking with the mediation and facilitation, if that's the core of what you do, Mm. what does a typical engagement with you look like if there is such a thing? If the referral source is coming from a lawyer, then the lawyers will typically write to me um, or call and say, we've got a matter, we've agreed to appoint you as the mediator or the collaborative coach. We set up a date. But the first step I then take is I pick up the phone and call the clients and I see my clients as the parties that have separated and I talk to them about my involvement, my role, um, what they can expect from me um, and I guess what I will expect from them and the process. Um, Then I will send out what I call my introductory information pack which explains in more detail the stages And then we set up a one-on-one and at the moment that's happening all via Zoom but historically it's been happening in person where I spend time in an intake or a preliminary conference learning a lot about the person. So not about the legal issues, that comes at the back end. I do a lot of work around what's keeping you up at night, what's worrying you, how can I help now Um, and breaking down that process and the problem. So like a counsellor? I wouldn't say a counsellor. My role is not therapeutic, but it is dealing with the human side of relationships breaking down. And I very much view separation and divorce as an emotional and human process with a legal outcome. And I think we have, in Australia in particular, have become accustomed to what's the legal solution And we're now starting in recent years to really think about these are people, is there a family? And the legal solution is not often what they need. Mm. Yes, I accept we need to document and put in frameworks as to the legality of outcomes so that people have got certainty. But a lot of what leads up to that is emotional. It's relationship-based and it communication and conflict style. So one of my you know, services is that conflict coaching and it's working with people. What is historically, how have you dealt with conflict? Yeah. Are you someone that retreats? Are you somebody that explodes and or is there days where you don't talk? What does that look like? And so when the issues arise in a face-to-face, it's together because that's the next step. I know what's coming. I can't predict the problems, but I can underneath know 
this is how they view each other. This is where they see, I guess, the conflict management and the character of the people says a lot about the process that they will choose and the outcomes that will be reached. And I imagine it would help you to understand what's really important to them or what their objectives really are, because often what people say is not what they really want, or perhaps they don't really know what they want because they're dealing with all the emotions. I was recently advising a client whose husband had died and there was some complexities around his estate and whether he had capacity and he had a self-managed super fund and it wasn't in her control and all these kinds of things. And we started by talking about her objective, which she said was, I need to inherit the estate. And so then I was focusing on the legal issues. Well, how do we achieve that objective for you? And then after about an hour of this meeting, she said to me, do you know what? I don't care. I don't need the money. I don't want the money. I actually just want to do the right thing by my husband. And if other people aren't doing the right thing, well, then that's on them. And it was this complete shift where all of a sudden all this stuff that I just told her about her legal position didn't matter anymore because in this split second, she decided that's not what's important to me. And hearing you talk is really interesting in the way you really deep dive into that person. I mean, I might try, I might scratch the edges by saying, what's the objective and what do you want to achieve? But you're going much, much deeper. Yeah. And I think we're all taught in law school to come up with solutions for our clients. That's our job. Our job is to educate them and give them options and put them in a place where they can then make the decisions that they can live with and that they want their life to look like. Mm -hmm. And I think if we come back to that, what you were mentioning before, that value system, and I I refer to it as an interest-based approach, but if you really get to what's sitting underneath, then your outcomes are going to be easier to achieve, even Mm -hmm. when the interests may be different. So for me, I'm often working with Uh, you know, two parties who may at the outset appear to have different interests, but when you delve a bit deeper, the things that come out are, I want my family to be okay. I want us to be able to pass each other and be polite. I want us both to be financially secure. Yeah, I don't want the acrimony. So it's not about who keeps the house and the car and the super fund. It's more about big picture values and then drilling down to, with their lawyer's help, Um, and often a financial person on board, how can we achieve those outcomes? Mm. So this is very different to what we're taught at law school. I mean, you you just said that. Mm. So how did you go about retraining to change your focus and start asking some of these perhaps, well, yes, more difficult questions? I actually trained as a mediator over 20 years ago, so straight out of law school. I was a graduate in Tasmania actually And in my first year of work, this is really something that I'm interested in. And I never practiced it as a mediator. I always practiced it within my legal practice. More recently, I spent a lot of time in a firm in Sydney where we were often in court and acrimony was high and strategy was something that we were all invested in. And I got to a point where I actually realized it wasn't sitting with me. I wasn't comfortable, I guess, in the battle because these are families. Mm. These are people that don't need further acrimony and our job should be bringing them together rather than and giving them the ability to still continue as a family even though it's going to look differently. 
I then, yeah, upgraded and did some further mediation training, Lucy, did what's called a family dispute resolution course, which in family law, for those of you, you need uh, with parenting matters, it's now compulsory that you go and see a dispute resolution practitioner. I also invested heavily in what we call collaborative practice and Mm. travelled overseas and did some further training and here in Australia. And again, upskilled with my parenting coordination and conflict coaching. So I'd spent a lot of time upskilling, I guess, on the basis of what we knew would work. And then I stepped away from legal practice entirely. Mm. How was that decision? It was frightening. I remember my husband saying to me, what's the worst that can happen here? If it doesn't work, you go back and get another job. I think the hardest part for me was I had colleagues saying, why would you step away from one of the most prominent practices in Sydney and why would you then look at doing something really differently? But it wasn't working for my family. It wasn't working for for me. And I wanted to really do something that sat comfortably and worked for us as a unit. And it's flourished. So I've been really fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. It really has. And it it shows, though, how choosing to do something that aligns with who you are as a person and how important that is as kind of the foundation of what it is of the business that you then run. Yeah. And I think if I looked back and I was probably too young and not enough life experience behind me, but most people that come into our offices don't say, take me to court, get me in before a judge and let somebody else decide what's going to happen with my life and the lives of my children and the assets that I've accumulated. Most people say, give me some options to deal with this in a respectful and a future-focused way that we can all work with. And so, I, yeah, I grappled for a while about how I was going to keep my hand in family law but set something up quite different. Have you got your hands on my new ebook? It's filled with 80 short, sharp, and practical tips to help you firm your foundations, sort your strategy, and optimize your operations so that you can modernize your law firm. Get your copy at lucydickens.com.au forward slash ebook. You spoke before about how your aim is to create family focused solutions for people who are separating. Isn't this what the legal system is supposed to do? Isn't it supposed to be best interests of the child? Absolutely. But what happens in the legal process in Australia is it's severely underfunded and under-resourced in the family courts and the federal circuit court. The time delays at the moment are extensive. And ultimately, what we're saying when we enter a court process is we can't make a decision and we need somebody else to do it for us. And there are matters that require court determination and there are some matters that are not suitable to the style of practice that I work within. But I think those are few and far between. And I think the statistics show us that given the number of matters that are filed in the family court system, most of them, like in the 90%, I think, resolve before a judge determines them. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's saying to me, if we gave people some scaffolding along the way, then we could avoid that process altogether. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced with running your business? Other than the admin side of it? (laughs) I thought you might say that. (laughs) I love doing what I do, but I don't like the back end side of my business. I will say that at the outset. So that has been a big challenge. 
um, and we were just talking before we started today about resourcing and bringing on others to do the things that don't need you. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, from, a, I guess, a philosophical perspective, getting people and professionals to accept the value in a different approach, in an alternative, and I think I've been incredibly grateful that I've had a lot of support and generally across the board, I think, people are now looking for other options. And we historically refer to it as alternative dispute resolution. I guess that's the umbrella of the services that I provide. I don't see it as an alternative now. It's mainstream. It should just be here are our dispute resolution options um, worth their weight in gold and we should be looking towards them. It's a good point about the the challenge of the the back end and the admin, and I know you're definitely not alone with that. And it's something that a lot of lawyers struggle with because you like working with people. You told me that, and I mean, you mm. can just hear that from the way you talk about you focus on the humans, and that these are people who we're dealing with. That's where you want to be working. You don't want to be doing yeah. the invoicing and no. the admin stuff at the back end of that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how your life changes when you hire this new <laughs> employee. That's going. It's going to help take on some of that load. Yeah, I'm excited to see. The other thing I'm excited to hear about is your book. Tell us about your book, Shelby. Yes, so I am writing a divorce book for children. And when I say children, my target audience is 10 to the 15, 16, so the teenage years. And the concept behind it is all the research shows us that children feel they don't know enough about their parents' divorce, they're too afraid or don't know who to ask or that when they do ask, their parents aren't in a place to provide that information or to provide it in a neutral way and that kids want a voice. They want to have some ability to know and understand what's happening, not young, young children, but the the age group I'm talking about, and to be part of the process not overwhelmed with it, not told inappropriate information and not too much of the legalistic side of it, but it is hard. It's hard on kids and the concept for my book is everything you're afraid to ask but need to know about your parents' divorce. Yeah. And what's the reason for writing it? Every family I see and children that come into my space professionally constantly asked what resources were out there for that target audience Mm. what do I tell my children how do I tell my children they're struggling they're not talking to me and when you look at it from a child's perspective particularly that age bracket they're going through changes in their own body and mind they're trying to find their own feet it can quickly escalate and become overwhelming and the idea behind the book is to give them all the answers to all the hard questions they might have and they can literally open it to a page And that page might be, what happens to our pets? Do our pets, Mm. you know, come with us? It might be, what happens if I don't want to spend time with one parent? It might be, am I still going to be able to play sport on a Saturday? So it's just really practical advice. Down to, what happens if my parents do go to court? And the more serious concepts around, what if there is some family violence and aggression What if drugs and alcohol are happening in my home? And to talk through them. And I've got different experts coming on board to assist with the back end of that. And 
yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So watch this space in terms of that book and my 4 a.m. like you writing time. I know, I know. It's it's uh, yeah, but it's the only way it gets done, isn't it? You have to force yourself to get up and and write it. I love yeah. the concept. I think it is fantastic. I haven't experienced divorce. My parents haven't divorced, and I have not divorced. Although my husband's parents did, and we were about fifteen at the time when they separated, mm. and we were, or maybe we were a bit older than that actually, but we were old enough to understand what was understand. going on and largely keep out of it. But it has a massive, massive impact on children, regardless of what age they're at. So I think it's definitely a resource that's well needed, and I can see how it's an obvious extension of the work you do because you care so much about the people. And I know you love children. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Although not my own all the time. Can I say that? <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I see it as you helping not just the clients individually, but an extension of that by helping their children, you're also able to help them. Yes, because I think often we see parents with so much of their own emotion. They know their children are struggling, but they just don't know how to help. And it's one thing to teach parents and give parents the resources about how to talk to children about separation or how to structure the care arrangements that are best suited for that family. But it's a whole nother thing to give children a resource that they can use themselves without burdening the parent. The aim is to give children a starter about how they can raise perhaps difficult conversations or if they can't go to the parents, where do they go for help? School counsellor, GP, a friend teacher, all of those, just to really broaden that support network for them. Where should people go if they're interested in following the journey or waiting to hear when the book's released? I know you've got an Instagram yes. page. So I have an Instagram page for Divorce Done Differently and also the book concept, Divorce for Kids, and the website's being released very soon, hopefully the end of July. So um, again, there's there should be information. And Facebook at the moment, those social media. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll include the links to the social media in the show notes. And when the website's up, I'll come back and edit them and include that too. So if you're looking for it and it's July when you're listening to this, then check out the show notes and I'll include the link for you there. Shelby, what's some advice that you would give to somebody who wants to do law differently? Take a deep breath and a step back and really think about what's important to you. Because I think if you can find a way to practice and work that sits comfortably with you, you'll truly enjoy it but primarily make a massive difference. And does that describe your journey? Is that what you did? I hope so. I think definitely the front end of that that answer in terms of stepping back and thinking about how I could approach this differently and I hope I'm making a big difference to the families that I work with. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and I love hearing what you think. Otherwise, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, send me a message and let me know. You can find all the past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.